listening to Raven Conversations, the show where we bring you the news and information around the Washington National Guard and in-depth conversations with the people who make it happen. I'm Sarah Morris, and on this episode, we talk to one of the personal financial counselors here at Camp Murray, Miss Dana Twight. This episode does run a little bit long, but there is a lot of great information, and April is Financial Literacy Month, so what better way to kick it off? Enjoy! Be sure to follow us on social media. Stay up to date on all the cool events, stories, photos, and videos happening around the Washington National Guard. If you have a question, have a comment, or just want to say hi, send us a DM, PM, tweet at us, whatever, and we'll answer you. We also love to share and collaborate. Send us the photos or videos you take at Drill or AT, and we'll tag you. Are you an active Instagrammer? Well, you might be a perfect candidate to take over our account. Send us a message, and we'll set something up. To find us, do a search for WA National Guard. That's WA National Guard, and look for the blue check mark. All right. Um, so, Dana Twight, mm-hmm. thank you for coming in today. Uh, we're here to talk about a subject that is Important. often overlooked. I think. Would you say it's overlooked? Can be overlooked. Also because, scary. But it, yes, exactly. But it is also very, very important. It's almost like like preparedness, right? Yes. You it's know, nobody like, likes to stock away food and stuff for two weeks, but exactly. once once it happens, you know, it's gonna and it's something it's gonna that hit you really hard. But you need to think about, but maybe you're not. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and the other thing is that it requires thinking about the future. Yeah. And for a lot of us, it doesn't matter how old you are chronologically, the future right. is is not real. Right. Mm-hmm. It's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really hard to save for the future in the future. Yes. <laughs> so would you tell us about the uh, PFCs. Yes, in, in thank the... you. Yes, as a PFC, personal financial counselor for the military, I've been doing this uh, since 2014. My company uh, is a government contractor with DOD, and we supply personal financial counselors around the world. One of the great experiences I had in 2015 was staffing an Air Force base at Spangdalem in Germany. Okay. Highly recommend that as an assignment, temporary or longer. Oh, yeah. I wish. <laughs> 45 minutes from Luxembourg, yeah. just a few minutes from the monk, uh, the monks that make smoked trout, beer, wine, and honey. Mm. <laughs> Anywhere in Europe is, is right? my favorite place. <laughs> yeah. Anywhere. It I've matter. never been, but I'm just imagining that it's yeah. really great. Yeah. Right, right. So um, as, as a PFC at Camp Murray, I've been here a little over two years. And what our role is, is to be that free of charge, objective, credentialed financial advisor for service members. There's no restrictions on rank. We can help service members until 182 days after you separate from service. So officers, enlisted folks can use us. And we are purple. And what that means here is we work with the Army and the Air Guard and the Reserves. And there are a lot of those folks here around Camp Murray. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And as a certified financial planner, I've had that credential since the early 90s. And then I was, as I say, a baby stockbroker in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> I started when I was 12. You're supposed to ask me that. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> right, right. So I've been through a lot of ups and downs in the stock market and investing and credit, mm-hmm. uh, lots of training on retirement planning. And then lately, the exciting thing is to talk to people about behavioral finance and the habits we all have where we can truly shoot ourselves in the foot. And what are some of those habits that we need to... Well, for example, sometimes when I'm with with a group of people, I'll say, what did you do in 2008? It is a bit of an age test. A lot Mm. of the folks here are, well, I was in high school. So uh, for the older folks, uh, most often um, people say, I sold everything because I was scared. So one, that's being scared about the future mm-hmm. and taking action maybe without having a plan to get back in. And then I occasionally meet people who go, you know, I just didn't read my statements for two years. Wow. And I'm always like, awesome, that was great. One of my favorite pro tips for investing, especially, hopefully we'll get to talk more about the sure. savings plan, the TSP, of course. is, oh, yeah. is <laughs> two things. One, step away from the keyboard, and yeah. two, sit on your hands. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I w- in 2008, I graduated college, so I just didn't have any money. I was here. You, yeah, you were. Well, I was getting off active duty in, from 2007, 2008, so yeah. I think I was on 
ADOS orders at the time. I remember sitting at Madigan and just watching the news. I... And I was just like, wow, this is crazy. Oh, well, we all thought the world was going to end, yeah. right? And the stock market was closed. I mean, I wasn't even in Not the stock me. market, actually. Oh, yeah. At the time, I didn't have any kind of investments at all. Okay. And, and I was just like, okay. <laughs> how did it impact your parents? Do you remember talking oh, about it? Oh, my parents are, have money. Okay. <laughs> so they were insulated. They were insulated. I mean, it still hit them hard because they owned property. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had to hold on to a house longer than they would have. Sure. And that a lot of service members had to do that, too. Mm. They're, they're, they were service members. Okay. Uh, they're okay. in the Air Force. So they held on to a house longer than they would have wanted to mm-hmm. because of the bubble. And they were in the, the D.C. area. So it was a big burst. Sure. <laughs> sure. Because a lot of people yeah. were affected. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, I only made $1,200 a month. And so I did not get affected in any way. Yeah. <laughs> you were already below the I curve. was already way under. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think my parents, I don't think, I don't, I, they know they have, I have this podcast, so they might listen to it. Oh, I don't my know. mom is like an um, avid listener of our podcast, so I, she'll definitely be like, I can't believe you said that. Yeah. See, this I, is my <laughs> role. I meet complete strangers and I ask you personal questions about money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and people answer. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, uh, honestly, I don't think that they're ready for retirement and they're about to. Well, yeah. uh, and you know, they so are sadly mine, in a big club. Mine just yeah. recently, and, and she told me, just stepped up their game because they mm-hmm. weren't uh, probably less than 10 years. They They weren't planning the future enough mm-hmm. yeah. and now they've really ramped it up to try to like figure out how they can make up for the lost time mm-hmm. oh yes yeah. yes well here's this big <coughs> story for you i met somebody just as i was leaving my assignment who was 36 so he was two years from retirement in active duty had a new wife a new baby and i talked to him and he said well going to retire in two years. I guess I should start my TSP. Oh my god! My thrift savings plan. Ouch. And if I had a nickel for every junior enlisted or first shirt that has ever said that to me, we'd be doing this podcast from my studio in Bali. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Gotta work on that, guys. It'd be a lot warmer. It'd be a lot warmer. Team goals. Yeah, team, team goals. goals. There we go. Sure. Hashtag yeah. team goals. Squad goals, right? Squad goals, yes. Yeah. Right. And that's what I always tell my clients yeah. is, gosh, I want you to have a revenue problem when you think about retiring. Right. So key ages when we retire in the military, you can see 60 or earlier if you have post 9-11 deployment. Right. You can see 62. So many Americans take Social Security at 62, where you have a 25% lifetime reduction in what you'll get. We can talk about that for the Social Security skeptics later. And then maybe maybe your pension, if you're lucky enough to have one, right. begins at 65, 66. Yeah. I know my full retirement age for Social Security is 67. And then I know people who had enough money so they could defer taking the Social Security until age 70. Right. And when you do that, you get an automatic 8% credit every year. And until very recently, if you met anybody on the street who said, dude, I can offer you 8% guaranteed, you probably needed to tell them to close their raincoat and you would walk away because that was just like selling fake Rolexes. (laughs) So, um, well, let's see. I I wanted to talk a little bit about what I call the financial three R's. Mm -hmm. It translated into military speak. So one of the reasons the PFCs, OSD thinks highly enough of service members that they supply us to you. Right. to be on hand in case you have any kind of financial question whatsoever. So the in the code, the U.S. code, it's called financial readiness. And so I like to say three R's, readiness, resilience, and retirement. Right. And what I usually attach to the readiness part is, are you making enough money to support your lifestyle or have you cut back on your expenses in order to support your current income and your other goals? And that often involves having an emergency fund. Right. Huge thing. With the recent government shutdown, there was a lot of publicity paid to the simple fact that most Americans do not have $400 if they, if they need to, mm-hmm. uh, to have an, uh, cover an unexpected expense. 
And the second R is resilience. And what I attach that to is your use of credit. Okay. Or how your credit is using you, depending on which side you're on. And then lastly, retirement. And as we alluded to before, the best time to save for retirement is when you are the the least mature, yes. you are making the least amount of money, right. and you are the least bit interested in thinking about old old people over 40, because you're mm -hmm. never going to get there. <laughs> so that's not much of a challenge, all of those things. Of course. <laughs> the best time to plan for retirement is yesterday. <laughs> yes. And, and Sarah, what is the second best day to plan for retirement? Today. 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 There we go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Sometimes I use that old proverb about planting trees. The best time to have planted trees was yes. 20 years ago. Yeah. Yes. Like the gentleman I was talking about that I met overseas. Yeah. So an emergency fund. Uh, well, let's talk about taxes for a second. One way you can fund your emergency fund is if you get a tax refund. Put it in your emergency fund. You can put mm -hmm. it right there. I do that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Nice. I think I run into a lot of people that don't know, just like direct deposit for your paycheck. Did you know you can put money in more than one account? Yes. I used to work with a company that could send direct deposit money to up to 14 different accounts. Wow. Wow. That's complicated. That would be that would cover <laughs> everybody's you know, yeah, it would cover your your weekend savings, your vacation savings, your healthcare deductible savings, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, we've been working with service members using uh, Miltax, which is the free tax filing uh, program offered by Military OneSource. And they only have three accounts that mm -hmm. you can deposit money in, but that's pretty cool. That mm -hmm. is a great way to establish your emergency fund. Another common question I get is, well, gosh, Dana, what is the right amount to have in my emergency fund? Going back to 2008, people like, Famous TV pundits were saying, oh, you got to have 12 months. 12 months? That's impossible. It is impossible. Yeah. And I try not to ever use that number because then people's hair turns white in front of my very eyes. Isn't it like three months worth? Three is months is the, a very is standard. That's very standard More reasonable, number. I feel like. Yeah. 12 months. I mean, you got an emergency in 12 months. So, <laughs> yeah, this was back. And also, you have to remember, it kind of depends on how much you make. Yes. Because with so many people having been laid off during the Great Recession, it was taking a long time to find work. Yes. And then they always say it takes a month per $10,000 worth of income. Now, these days, we're in a totally different, right. tighter employ employment market. Mm -hmm. The other thing I like to add to that three-month number is, A, for awareness. You've got to know what you're spending and what you're making before you accurately forecast the three months. Right. Uh, I do meet people occasionally that spend, say, 120% of their income. So I add in that you should have three months income or expenses, whichever is higher. It's a modest joke in there. It's a little, little financial black humor. <laughs> and a lot of people, it's like going on a diet and writing down your food, writing down what you spend. Mm -hmm. is, it's hard. It's hard. People don't want to do it. And plus, it's so easy. It's so easy. I mean, it's you just so easy. You got that card, you just swipe Well, also, it, you know? like, all you have to do is look at your bank statement, <laughs> and you'll see exactly where your money was spent. Yep. Yes, yes. It's the, You can't work the float anymore like we used to in the old days. No. There's no float. And mm -hmm. in fact, your bank is usually going to post your debits before any deposits. Yes. And I know, I asked my credit union once, they just post them as they come in. Yeah. In the old days, when we had the the lovely hamsters working after hours on the old mainframes, everything got posted at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, that's an age test there. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of an emergency fund, uh, three months. So another way to make this more achievable is to say, okay, three months rent payments or three months mortgage payments. Why is three good when you're a renter? Well, until very recently, you always had to come up with first, right. last, and deposit, mm -hmm. which a lot of times would be the same as three months' worth of rent. Mm -hmm. So if you need to make it more tangible and tie it to something, uh, I recommend that as one way to set yourself a goal. So you can say with anybody else you share your financial life with, okay, we're going to save, this month we're going to save half a rent payment, and we're going to keep doing that for X amount of months. Mm -hmm. Another thing I like to use when I'm talking to groups is, okay, what's an emergency? And then I'll point to someone in the audience and say, hey, how much does a new set of tires cost for your rig? Yeah. 
And that comes up with 800, 1,000 bucks, depending on whether you have custom rims. Right. I'm not an expert. Maybe you guys no, are. You just go straight to Discount Tire and you get the $400 package. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You can do that. Yeah. So sometimes you have to maybe think between the two of you, yeah. if there's two of you managing the money, is try to figure out what everybody's hot buttons are. Yeah. And, and I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, shoes are not an emergency. I don't know about you, but... <laughs> it's not an emergency for me. No. These are 10 years old. <laughs> yeah, My mine husband too. calls me a miser, though, so... Oh, okay, okay. I don't... I'm usually on the opposite side of the spend too much. I, I think, yeah. Sarah, that's that's rebranded as frugal. Oh, okay. Right, <laughs> right, right. Just just one more letter. Yeah. <laughs> So that's that's the emergency fund, and it's nice to know you're in a big club of people that have trouble meeting this goal. But it's a it's a bad club to be in, mm -hmm. right? And so then, if we go on to resilience and talk about use of credit, I had noted down a couple of percentages here to keep me on track with certain things. But what do you think the most common question I get is about checking your credit history, your credit score, or using your credit card in general? Is it bad for your credit score? Is what bad for your credit score? Checking, Checking it or? You got it in one. This is fascinating. This is the most popular question I get. Is it bad to check your credit score? What is, what is my checking? How does that impact? Interestingly enough, when you check your own credit, it doesn't hit your credit score because that's what we call a soft inquiry. Right. If somebody else checks your credit, that's a hard inquiry. And the, the wonderful example I have of that is someone I met here a couple of years ago who was kind of bored on a Saturday night, surfing the web, decided to check out refinancing options for his house. Came in to see me the next week and said, wow, my credit score went down by 50 points. Oh my and goodness. I said, well, what did, what did you do recently? Oh, I was trying to you know, get refinancing quotes on the internet. So <laughs> probably had five organizations check his credit. Right. Oh, wow. So I said, hey, why don't you just start with your own financial institution? Yes. Still another hard inquiry. One thing that is great about that is the credit industry has understood that when people are comparison shopping, you're going to have a lot of hard inquiries in a certain period of time. But you're probably not going to buy five cars from those five dealers. Right. 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 So th the thing is, the hard inquiry is 10% of your credit score. The two things we should all be most focused on are the things that impact your credit score the most. And those are 30 and 35% of your score respectively. So 35%, I have to juggle those in my head for a second here, but one is capacity. How much of your available credit are you using? Mm -hmm. So right. anytime you're up over say 70% for sure, that is going to have a negative impact on your score because if something happens, you don't have very much room left because you're close to your limit. So if you have a $10,000 limit and you've borrowed $8,000, that's using 80% of mm -hmm. that capacity. You might be surprised to know that the credit card industry recommends keeping those balances at 30% of your limit. Now, okay. sometimes people go, oh, well, I'll just go get another credit card, or you can call your bank and ask them to increase the limit. Right. <laughs> those, those do work, but maybe depending on how you use credit might not be in your own best interest. Mm -hmm. And then other things that matter are the length of your credit history. Oh, and paying on time. That one's right. huge. That one is huge. Also, I don't know if anybody listening to this podcast has ever gotten a late fee on their credit card payment, but if your minimum payment is 50 bucks and the standard late payment is $35, yeah. wow. <laughs> so not only is it late, you just paid a fee that was about 70% of your minimum payment. And yeah. so what yeah. I always like to recommend is that you automate, if you carry a credit card balance, automate the minimum payments. Yeah. And then if you can, because a lot of us do online banking, it's so easy. Nobody cares how many times you pay your credit card. Sometimes I'll go out, buy something, remember that I'm using the mile, I'm getting the miles, but I'm gonna pay it off, so I'll just throw 15 bucks for my $15 lunch or whatever. Nobody cares how often you make that payment anymore. Yeah. So that's a great practice. Right. Just to make frequent payments, but automate those, those minimum payments if you can. 
Yeah. So use of credit, other popular questions are, where should I get my credit card? How many credit cards should I have? Do you guys want to chime in on anything there? I mean, I have one credit card. You have yeah, one? I have one personal one and a shared one with Oh, that's true. I have one personal wife, yeah. one and I have a shared one with my husband. Yeah. I have seen in the service member community a lot of folks actually not combining their credit. Well, we don't have combined bank accounts. Right, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. And that's something else. Um, it, to me, it doesn't surprise me that much. I'm, I'm used to people um, from my private, private life um, having lots of different ways of sharing money. Mm -hmm. But I see a lot of service members, and sometimes it's for a sad reason, is one of you has really lousy credit. Oh, no. No, no. <laughs> and sometimes it's just like, hey, we're each self-supporting. We're going to keep mm -hmm. our own credit histories. And then you might always, you, you probably have had some great conversations if you have separate credit cards and some separate bank accounts. I, I know people who think that when you get married, everything should be combined, but there is a big continuum on there. And I do always think it's especially important for a, uh, even a stay-at-home spouse to have their own credit card. Because even though we have the Fair Credit Act of 1974, there still can be discrimination. So it's good to have credit in your own name and not just yeah. be an authorized right. user. Yep. And then um, I did meet someone once uh, in the service member community who said, well, my girlfriend, I bought my girlfriend a car because her credit was bad. And then she stole the car and went to another state and I can't make payments anymore, and I don't have the car. The bank wants to repossess it, but she's an authorized payer of the <laughs> loan. I said, is it joint? No. And I said, wow, we called around. We and call that a bad decision. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Thank you for an, cutting to an, the chase. An yeah. uninformed decision. <laughs> yeah. I'd say in general, probably doing something like that for your significant other is not a good idea. No. no. Maybe you're going to gift them like the $500 vehicle that someone left to you. Right. And it's like part of your fleet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, don't buy the, uh, the $45,000 new truck. Mm -hmm. Wow. Although I know that as trucks go, that's pretty cheap. <laughs> the other thing about credit is most of the time when I talk to people, they know they may know their interest rate. They don't always know why they have an interest rate, say, uh, over 10% for an installment loan, which is a loan where you pay the same amount every month. But I'll say, how long is your loan? Right. And, and people don't know. There, you can get loans now up to 96 months, which I think is eight years, if I'm doing my live math correctly. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, I think, um, so my daughter just went out, she's, she's almost 29, I'll just talk about my family too, mm -hmm. and she just had to go get her first car loan. So she mostly had her head on straight about it. They wanted to get a new car with new safety features, but they couldn't afford a very, a very new car. So they ended up with a certain brand, and I think they met their budget. They had a budget of 10 grand. Partly because for getting a three or four year loan, they wanted to keep the payments at a certain amount. So there was some shopping for interest rates, checking the credit scores. And then I think she did tell me that, well, they had the budget, but then they tried out three different cars. Right. And in the old days, we used to call this the puppy dog clothes, but apparently now you can like take a car home with you. Yes, oh, for yeah. like 24 hours. Oh yeah, yeah she said in three days, three oh, days okay. in North Carolina. What? You had to pay rent for each day, yeah. right? But, you know, so they tried out three different cars, so that added to the budget. And then North Carolina sales tax is different than ours. I think it's only 3%. Right. But, again, you have to factor that in. And then around here, you'd have to factor in your, your tabs, too. Right. Which yeah. is, we won't talk too much about that. That's a subject for a completely different topic, <laughs> oh, yeah. podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the hundreds. In the hundreds. Well into the hundreds for me. We yeah. bought, like, a garbage car here so I don't even know what all of that stuff oh. <laughs> right right and and you know getting a back junker. to getting back to the behavioral finance part there are practical reasons 
I mean, I kind of wish I had a certain kind of car these last few days here with the snow. Mm -hmm. right. I live on a hill in Seattle, so the last quarter mile is a real bear. I'm 100 feet from bear pavement. <laughs> yeah. But um, people forget that, one, the car is going to be so expensive if it's brand new to you. And then your insurance is going to go up, too. And um, a really great piece of advice I got from a tech sergeant was, hey, if you want to buy a car and you think you can afford, say, three to $500 a month, the minute you decide you want to buy a new-to-you car, start saving that amount of money yeah. while you're shopping. And then mm -hmm. you can try it out on your budget. And then if you don't make a decision for three or four or five months, boom, you've saved some more money for either your emergency fund or a down payment. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And then, oh, go ahead. No, I was just wondering if we wanted to, uh, if we can move on to the yes. the retirement T part. TSP, the yes. retirement. Yes. 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 That's, Thank you. That's, uh, that's I, something that I've been actually more focused on the last few years, actually, for, for myself personally. Excellent. So, um, so a, a long time ago, when I first started off as a technician full time, uh, a coworker of mine at, uh, at the time said, you know, you should really start your uh, start a retirement plan. I'm like, well, how do I do that? So <laughs> <laughs> we log on to USAA right. and and we because that was my bank. Mm -hmm. And um, he said, uh, pick a what the target fund is that what it's called or a, a target date fund? Yeah. Yes. And he, I think we chose a 2040 or 2050 maybe. 2050. Yeah. And we should just and interject; then, those are years, not pin codes. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I, ch I chose a 2050 and just left it at that and just started nice. just stocking away, you know, so much money every, just at the time it was like a hundred bucks a month, I think, you know, just, just yeah, straight it's a up great number out of the, to start out, out with. right off the bat. Um, and also with the um, employer matching, I, I, right off the bat, I maxed yes. that out at 5% and, right. and, just, and just for the yeah, TSP. Um, but that's what I did. So I just started it, and for the for the next five, six years, I just left it be and just kept on pushing, just leaving it alone. And and I really had nothing, no strategy, I guess. Okay, right. So because there are different options that you can change your money, different funds your money goes to. Right. Right. To make it work better. Better for you. Yeah. Right. Take a little more risk and yes, a little exactly. bit more growth. Exactly. So that's what I did a couple of years ago when I first. I've, I've got the conservative. Uh, oh, no. I, I'm a little risky. Because <laughs> like I said, risky. I'm frugal. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's th th those are two very interesting comments. Number one, maybe we can roll back for just a yeah, second. Sure. So there is the Uniformed Services Thrift yes. Savings Plan. There is the Federal Employment Thrift Savings Plan. And then if you think TSP is trisodium phosphate, again, that's a different podcast. <laughs> I, I understand some people know how to use that, but I focus on the financial TSP. In the federal service, you do get that match. Yep. And as Jason said, it maxes out at 5%. Mm -hmm. And so what that practically means for you is number one, if you, do, you contribute 5% of your own money, you're getting a dollar for dollar match. So you pay five, the government kicks in 5%, boom, you're saving 10% for retirement right there. Always a great number. Mm -hmm. If you can afford it and you can save 10% towards your retirement your entire working career, you'll be in way better shape than most people. However, in the Uniform Services TSP, there's no matching for most people unless you opted into the blended retirement right. system last year, which offers matching in an effort to make the military pension system more 21st century. And again, we don't have enough time to go into that now, but in the Uniformed Services TSP, you, putting 10% away is great. However, the TSP has five funds, and then they have the L funds, which is a combination of all five. I like to let people know the, the L funds are officially called the life cycle funds in the TSP, but anybody who's heard me brief, they remember that I told them to call them the lazy funds. <laughs> L for lazy. It is a family-friendly four-letter word. And the reason I say that is because those lifestyle funds, target date funds, like what you had at USAA, they manage the asset allocation for you. So when you're younger, it'll be more in stocks. 
So it'll use the stock funds in the, in the TSP. So if you're in your late 20s, it'll probably be even as much as 85% in stocks. And then as you age, yes, Virginia, you will age, it gets more conservative, but it's automatic. So if you don't have, as the TSP videos on their YouTube channel says, if you don't have the time or the expertise or the interest, then those funds can be a very good choice for you. Mm-hmm. So Jason, I think, I think you may have said that you were in the default fund, yes. which is the G fund. G fund yes. yes. So let me back up just a second here. And the way I like to explain it is the TSP is really a two-step sign-up process. Many people only execute the first half of that. And the first half is to go into MyPay and say, hey, I want to make contributions into the TSP. And then it starts to pull the money out of your paycheck. Should be within a a full 30-day cycle, maybe a little bit faster than that. Then that money goes to the TSP. And until last year, the default was the G Fund, commonly known as the Government Government. Guaranteed Fund, or as a colleague of mine said, the G I'm Not Making Very Much Money Fund. (laughs) But it's designed for people like Sarah who want to be super conservative and never want to lose any money. And maybe I'm selling you short there, but... I am. That's me. Right. And so (laughs) even if you have like residual shock from the Great Recession, you might go, oh, I never want to lose any money ever, ever again. So you will not lose money. However might not make very much you might not make enough to beat inflation right now the uh, g fund is paying about 2.3 to Mm 2.5 so that's a great interest rate especially if you've suffered through the last 10 years i do talk to service members who've never had any experience with interest rates going up if you're super young you don't remember that happening and also that they only know the stock market is going up so we have a couple interesting things to to learn about right now what I like to say about the TSP is that you should, it's very common for financial professionals to say, take more risk when you're younger. Because the exciting things happen with compounding when compounding that money's been interest. there yeah. over 20 years, definitely. 30 to 40 years, the graph gets very exciting. Mm-hmm. It's hard to describe this for the podcast, but at first the curve's kind of gentle and most of your money comes from your contributions. Yeah. And on TSP.gov, there is a great graphic that talks about the benefits of compounding. And the, the uh, I think it goes arithmetic, and then what's the next one? Anyway, it, 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 there's math, math terms I can't remember here, but when the graph goes almost straight up between 30 and 40 years, that may be logarithmic, but it's very exciting. Yeah. I have some money that's been there 30 years almost, and so I'm really excited to watch how that goes. Right. And the compounding occurs mostly from the things that you've reinvested over the years, so any interest and dividends. And so if you're only earning interest and not very much interest, then you're not going to get a lot of that great impact of the growth. So, for example, if I had somebody that said, well, I don't really want to lose any money, I might say, well, let's, let's put a percentage of your money in the G fund, which is the guaranteed one, 20, 30, maybe 40%, depending on your age. And then let's put the rest in the target date fund, where you will have the best of the rest of the five funds. And you're covered basically no matter what happens. Right. So then you have stocks, you have bonds, you have international stocks. And I just realized I mentioned the first step for the TSP, but I think, Jason, what what you might have been illustrating is if you get that funny little piece of paper in the mail, the mm-hmm. very first time mm-hmm. you sign up for the TSP, has a username, account number, password. If you never activate that, until last year you had to stay in the G Fund. And that wasn't because of anything the military did, that was standard pension practice. Right. The default had to be thoroughly safe. I used to say yeah. safe as houses, but we can't say that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so the important thing, probably the, the most of the things I talk about with service members is taking that second step and opening your account at tsp.gov, mm-hmm. answering a few questions about risk, saying you understand there's risk. What are you giving up if you stay in the G fund? Well, the C fund, which is modeled on the Standard & Poor's 500 index, so the largest 500 companies in America, it did 21.82% in 2017. 
That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's, That's almost like 10, 10 times. times. <laughs> 10 times the G fund. Yes. Now, last year, most S&P uh, 500 funds were flat. But here's the other thing. We had a tremendous sell-off in the stock market it, between November and December last year. Mm -hmm. But guess what? All of us here are in the accumulation phase. Yeah. So we're buying things. And as one of my colleagues said on Twitter, oh my goodness, why is it that we're in an industry when the good stuff is on sale 20% off, people are running for the exits? <laughs> That's funny. So you yeah. have to, when you get your statement that says your personal rate of return was not very good in the fourth quarter, you have to look at what you invested, see it bought more shares, and that yeah. will pay off in the long run. Yeah. So what we like to do is work with people and educate them a little bit about here's what a mutual fund does, here's the benefits, diversification, professional management, low, low fees. If you ever meet anybody who says the TSP is lousy because, they're, because of their fee structure, they are lying. <laughs> Run the other way, just like running away from the guy in the raincoat. The TSP charges 3.3 cents per thousand dollars to manage the portfolio of index funds nothing it's wow. nothing thank you yeah. thank you i last took statistics in 2007 but basically in statistics terms i think that rounds to zero yeah that's pretty much zero zero uh, another term. technical term yeah. noise right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now in in the outside world of investing even including uh companies like usaa fidelity american funds t Rowe price a lot of other ones i can't mention just one fund and ever say that i recommend just that one fund can recommend the TSP. But the normal fees for investing are often 1% to 2% a year right. for $100. Right. Right. So it's that brings us into the chance where if you sit down with one of the PFCs, we can explain how the expense ratios work and how those folks make money. Index funds should not charge money because basically they're buying a basket of stocks and they don't trade at all. So there's a lot of reasons that they don't need to pay high price manager salaries, they don't yeah. have stock trading commissions and that sort of thing. And I always say, gosh, if you can automate your savings at work, yes, please take advantage of that. It's really a great program. And if you start out, there's no shame in starting out at 1%. I think they automate, well, at least for the Fed techs, they automatically had us at Oh, they had an automatic default in? I think so. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. either two or three. three. Yeah, it might be three. And then okay. you, you and then can, you can add the thing to get to the five to match. So yeah. I do five to, to match. <laughs> right, right. And then last year with the um, new retirement system, the blended retirement system, for people who were new accessions just joining the military mm -hmm. in January of 2018, they were automatically defaulted at three. Yeah. And you might say, why is this default thing? Why does it work? It works because we're lazy yes. and because of inertia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if what they've done is they've had about 10, 15 years to study this and realize that if you default somebody in, likely they are not going to get out. And then that right. way they're saving money. Yeah. The other thing that changed last year is the default fund now is for new, the newer service members is an L fund that is appropriate for them. Probably the 2050 for a lot of folks and the TSP website indicated they will have a 2060 fund next year. So you can have a sleeve that's even more aggressive if you want to. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, so the great things about your any employer retirement plan is it's easy because it comes out of your savings. There is a Roth version, which is the after-tax. There is a traditional version, which is pre-tax. I got the Roth. You got the Roth? Yeah. Yep, yep. And you can kind of hack that a little bit if you want to. I don't know if we have time to go into yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah. We're set at 40 minutes. Almost. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Great. So. We have to go to Kent at noon. We do. Or at least Joe and I do. Oh. Kent. Yeah, I'll be passing Kent. Do you need we're, me to drop something off for you? We're going to shovel them out. <laughs> oh, yes. The National Guard is getting called up. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, the National Guard works in, in mysterious ways. In mysterious yeah. ways. I, I saw a neighbor from Harborview yesterday as we were all shoveling, mm -hmm. and he said he'd put in 67 hours of overtime shoveling. Oh, my wow. goodness. Yeah, Public Works has been going, like, Crazy. Right. Anyways, we're getting right. off topic. Yes. And then apparently, <laughs> apparently, now I did suggest this in a, um, uh, in a campaign on Twitter called 30 Days of Savings. And I said, boy, you know, teenagers, 
doing seasonally relevant jobs, man, some teenagers could have made bank over the weekend. Yeah, they, they could have. Had a snow shovel and gone out and offered oh, I know. to. I'd have paid so much money for somebody to come shovel all my snow. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You so teach just those kids to hustle. That's right. That's teach right. Them. Well, quick digression there. We were just talking about the Roth treatment, uh -huh. the after-tax treatment of retirement plans. Your teenager, as soon as they have a job, they can open up a Roth IRA. And that's a personal account. Mm -hmm. yeah. The 401k limit is $19,000 this year, which is a pretty significant amount of money per month. But the personal IRA limit for most people, for most people, the people who are under 50 can save 5,500. And then you get an extra catch up when you're over 50 and then you get to go up to 6,500. But in the 401k plan, if you are over 50, you can save 19 plus 6. I think it's 24, 24 25,000. Nice. If you're fortunate enough to be in that category. Right. The only ones I've met really are very senior officers or right. dual military couples. I'm pretty sure that's what my parents have been doing. Could be. Could so. be. Yeah, it's, it's great to help if you, you know, yes. maybe thought you didn't save enough earlier. Yes. The thing about the Roth that I like to suggest to, say, E4 and below, is you're not making that much money that's taxable. So why not take advantage of the fact that we just had a tax cut, taxes are low, capital gains rates are low, pay your taxes now. You guys might not believe this, but in the 80s, we were taught in our training to go out and tell people that their taxes would be lower in retirement. Now, yeah. that's not a slam dunk anymore due to things like income and sales taxes and the cost of health care. Mm -hmm. So if you think, wow, I want to have some tax-free money in the future, this is a great way to do it. It right. used to be that the only way you could really generate some tax-free money in the securities world was to have enough money to buy tax-free bonds. And for most people, we never suggested that until you had usually 50 or 100,000. So you could either put them in a fund or buy individual bonds. So this is a game changer. The cool thing about the Roth, IRA, is you can take some money out of that to buy a first house. And you're a first time home buyer usually if you haven't owned a house in the last three years. So that's an interesting feature. Mm. Uh, there is a limit, it's $10,000. Is, is, is there a penalty? Well, these are the things that you can avoid the penalty on. So uh, another thing is you can pay medical premiums during a period of unemployment out of your Roth. You can also uh, use some of that money to pursue higher education. So those are some hmm. things that make it a little bit different than the traditional. Basically, you need to keep the money in there long enough so that it's, it's tax-free but in instantly you pay the taxes, the money grows tax-free, mm -hmm. and then when you take it out in the future, well, one, it's tax-free when you take it out, mm -hmm. and two, you don't have to take it out. So it's also something that can provide an inheritance. Right. Nice. Or maybe you're doing uh, philanthropy. You know, with that, you can take a, a money out of your IRA and send it somewhere else. For a lot of us who maybe are worth less than a million dollars, which I'm sure is a lot of people around mm. here, then that is a great way to amass some tax-free income in the future that was previously not available. I know in 2015, a lot of people still didn't realize that the the TSP had the broth option. Yeah. And I don't know if you uh, have heard this, but I get a lot of people coming out to me going, well, should I do the Roth or the TSP? Mm. And so <laughs> it's a little hard to describe um, verbally, uh, orally here, but TSP is part of the set of things that includes employer retirement plan. Right. Underneath TSP is either traditional or Roth. So basically, it's not Roth or TSP, right. it's which tax treatment within the TSP are yeah. you going to choose. Right. You can do both. So you take your E3, E4, start off with the Roth, get yourself comfortable, save between one and 5%, and then you get a few raises, maybe you're an E6, or if you're an officer, you're a captain, then you can benefit from doing the traditional yeah. 401k. So the traditional contribution will help lower your taxes immediately. And it may take a little while to figure out which is the best mix for you. Guess what? There's TSP calculators, and mm. also I think MyPay may have a couple where you can figure out so. how that's yeah. going to work. 
So it's also a great thing to talk to a personal financial counselor about because we, we love talking about retirement. <laughs> Because we are trained to help you think of the future. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't know. I'm never going to get old. And nope. I'm never going to retire. <laughs> you must be a millennial. That is a they're very common millennial mm. way of thinking. No, I, I think <laughs> I'm sort of the opposite because I just save money constantly. And I see. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if you were to say come in with your husband, for example, yes. one of you was a saver and the other one wasn't, Yes, I've got a great game. <laughs> it's called Money Habitudes Cards, and it's a way to talk about, in a non-confrontational manner, yeah. how each of you values money differently. Yes. And so it's not that there's a wrong answer, but some people spend money, like me, I'm security and self-fulfillment oriented. Um, there are people who are celebrators, people who are, like to spend money spontaneously, people who like to spend money for status. Right. There's also self-indulgence. And so that apparently causes friction within people who share their finances. You don't say. <laughs> that sounds crazy. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Right, right. It's like that old Saturday Night Live video with Steve Martin and uh, Amy Poehler, and they're learning in two minutes all about how to not go into debt. Oh. And the infomercial guy comes in, and he goes, it's really simple. It's on page three of my book, which is free. Steve Martin says, can I put it on my credit card? <laughs> anyway, the advice is free and priceless at the same time. And he said, there's really just one rule. Don't buy stuff you can't afford. Right. And now, and that provides two minutes of levity. However, we know that with challenging times, you know, even if you have things during a snowstorm, think about your service provider that, you know, the dental office had nobody come in. The right. hair cutter mm -hmm. has no income. Um, those darn teenagers have been using up resources instead of <laughs> shoveling snow. Yes. And then the government shut down. So uh, it is, I do like to use humor when I talk about debt, but uh, the fact is it is truly, truly real for many folks. Yeah. Um, we can help use various debt calculators. We have one we recommend called powerpay.org. I mentioned that because you can use it on your own as well. It's mm -hmm. developed by Utah State. So as I like to say, there will be no pop-up ads. Nobody will ask you to buy anything. No salesman will appear on your door. As PFCs, we are, we are only allowed to use government or non-commercial resources as when we recommend them to right. okay. folks so that we're not expressing an opinion about one com right. commercial company over another. But PowerPay is a simple debt cal calculator where you put in how much. This is why you need to know how long your car loan is. You put in things like your minimum payment, the balance that you owe on any debt, the length of time, and then it goes through and basically automates the math for you, showing how you can achieve that debt avalanche, the snowball method, paying mm -hmm. off the smallest balance first, all those kinds of things. And we, we sometimes recommend that you pay the smallest balance off first, even if it's the lowest interest rate. Hmm. Why is that, do you think? Because it'll be gone. Because then it's gone, and this is where you involve brain chemicals Bye. and behavior. Because guess what? If you, if you feel good when you've done that, then you have a good money memory in your head, and you're not sitting there going, oh, man, every decision I make about money is terrible. You can go back and go, hey, I just paid off that $324 balance of right. wherever it was. And then you free up that money to go to the next thing. Plus, mm -hmm. you feel good, and you know that you made a reasonable choice. Or maybe even yes. better That's than reasonable. Cool. Well, I think we should wrap it up a little bit. Okay. Unless you have anything more oh, important. Oh, it's the, um, I was thinking it was the 60-minute hour, but it's actually less. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we try to keep it to an hour or less. Or less, yes, thank you. Yeah. All right, well, in summary, it's, it's a great time to engage with your money. If you happen to work for the military or the federal government, there are a lot of benefits that you can take advantage of that come through your paycheck you can talk to people if, um, if you want to talk to a certified financial planner. Um, a lot of my colleagues have a different credential, which is the accredited financial counselor. We're here. We have training. Lots of us have master's degrees, too. And it's also important for me to say that whenever we talk to you about anything like this, 
We are not preaching from a pedestal on high. Most of us have experienced most of these things. So we're not saying do it like us because we're perfect. We're not perfect. We're professionals. So we can talk about it. But our goal is to walk with you, be fiduciaries, and help you be a good steward of your money and meet your own goals. That's always our goal. Yeah. So, for example, if one of you said, you know, I have a Starbucks habit and I'm not going to break it. <laughs> um, I would say, well, yes, I'm in that club, too. And then it was like, it's not for me to tell you don't buy that coffee. Right. It's like, what else are you willing to do in order to enable that to continue? Yeah. So... Um, come talk to the money nerds or the finance ladies. We love to talk about money and we'll try to make it easy for you to ask those hard questions. And they're friendly. Well, thank you. We try to be very friendly. Friendly, you can make jokes. Humorous. Humorous, engaging. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, why not hang out with somebody who's been doing this for a living for a while? Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, you name it, I've been through it. Oh, but... One caveat here. If you want to talk about cryptocurrency, that will have to be a different podcast. Where We're we talking talk about like about... Bitcoin? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's beyond my Bitcoin, yeah. lottery my tickets, all those other get-rich-quick schemes. Maybe maybe you'll have me back sometime and we'll talk about how not to take you'll those weird it, risks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let it mature yeah. and see, what it, see where just, it goes. Yeah. We'll leave we... that. I don't think I can even comprehend yeah. Me neither. Any of that's right. Any of that so well. just remember to keep it simple, sister. Follow the kiss method. <laughs> yep. And uh, it, when in doubt, give us a call on Camp Murray. We're oh, yeah. in Building Three, but we also maybe um, we can come meet you somewhere. And you guys go to like drill. Weekends? We're at drill weekend. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. we're happy to be at drill weekend. Uh, I did miss Saturday due to the snow. I mean, it did snow like I know three feet, six inches. <laughs> uh, we can't go to your house. You can come to our office, but for example, I live in Seattle, so I often see uh, M Day members in okay. Seattle where they live. Uh, my colleague lives in Pierce County. We've got another a couple colleagues over at JBLM. We've got another colleague in Marysville. We also have um, PFCs in most of the states. There are, um, I think, I think they they need someone to work in Puerto Rico right now. Ooh. <laughs> Too bad I don't know anything about financial. Yeah. Anything. <laughs> well, except for how to not spend money. There you go. <laughs> well, thank you very much for the no, invitation. Thank you. Thank it was you a very pleasure. Much. This is uh, it's a very very important topic, and yes. if I could just tell people, just get started now. Yeah. Don't wait. Yes, exactly. Just automate it. You won't even think about the money as it comes out, mm-hmm. and it'll it'll just grow and work for you. It will so, grow, yeah. yeah. And and just do a financial checkup once a year. Yeah, that's what I do. Very good, <laughs> very good. Well, thanks again for the invitation. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Bye.